to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. You know, the last time that I preached from a pulpit, I was 16 years old, and it was Youth Sunday at our church. My sermon was probably memorable, not because of what I said, but because it lasted four minutes. I was the whole sermon. Four minutes. I do remember one thing that I said back then. A woman in the church had come up to me and a group of my friends, I was a teenager, and said, and how are you people? I I mean, you young people. I I was insulted, like we were less than people, like a qualifier was needed. She couldn't just say, and how are you people? I was reminded of 1 Timothy 4.12 when Paul wrote to Timothy, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Let no one despise your youth. And let me say right now that I value everyone in this church, whether you're a child or a teenager or a young adult or my age or older. Every one of us matters to me. Every one of us matters to God. Amen? Tonight I want to speak to you for uh, longer than four minutes. I want to start with a God story, a true story. Janet and I met at college. Um, We were both in the Hendricks Chapel Choir together at Syracuse University. On our first date, it was 1974. Big spender me. I I brought Jan to hear my barbershop quartet. And then we talked for hours at my fraternity. We talked about everything. At one point, she told me, you know, when I was a teenager, there was a time I wanted to be a missionary. My family was camping somewhere in the Midwest, she said. And my dad bought me a book in a gift shop about a missionary. And I was really inspired and wanted to become a missionary. I remember the name of the book. It was called Angel at Her Shoulder. I got up, walked over to my bookshelf, pulled out the book Angel at Her Shoulder, and told Jan, my father wrote it. We knew at that moment that we were meant to be, that God had brought us together. This month we celebrated our 44th wedding anniversary. And I am, I, am so, I am so thankful. 
Which brings me to tonight. I'm calling tonight's message, Hope for the Least of These. Who are they, the least of these? Who they are says a lot about who we are. Our central scripture tonight is from Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison. And you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Notice there are three groups in this passage. The sheep, the goats, and the least of these. We'll talk about sheep and goats uh, in a bit, but let's look at this third group. The hungry, the thirsty the stranger, the naked, the sick, those in prison. These all have something in common. They're all 
vulnerable. They're all in need of something. So let's unpack this a little bit. Have you ever been so hungry that food was all you thought about? Have you ever suffered from hunger? Back when our kids were young, they're 39 now, but our family was in Washington, D.C., eating hot dogs on the Washington Mall. We saw a man picking through a garbage can, looking for something to eat. We named him John and prayed for him. This was our, this was our kid's idea. We took one of our hot dogs and wrapped it up in a napkin Gently placed it on top of the garbage can so that John would find it. And he did. And we prayed for John every night for weeks after that. Hunger. Back in April, I was in the hospital and I was put on a clear liquid diet for three days. The longest three days of my life. I was hungry. I was famished. When I finally got the okay to have mashed potatoes, it was like the dark clouds lifted and life was good again. People who are hungry. That's why food for the soul is so important to people here in Jamesburg. This church gives people more than food. We pray for them. We show them that somebody cares. Jesus said in Matthew 25, For I was hungry and you gave me food. And inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. When we hand out food to needy families, we're doing it to Jesus. And if we do not feed the hungry, we did not do it to Jesus. The least of these are the hungriest. So how about the thirsty? Have you ever been so thirsty, so parched, so dry, so dehydrated that you're weak and can't speak? when all you wanted were ice chips or a sip of water. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. You gave it to Jesus. Or you didn't. The least of these are the most desperate. The stranger. Ever moved to a new town? Ever walk into a new place? Ever go into a new church and no one says a word to you? That doesn't happen at this church. But it has happened to Janet and me at a church a long time ago. It's lonely not to feel welcome, to feel that you don't belong. I was a stranger and you took me in. And as you did to the most vulnerable, you did it to me. 
The least of these are the loneliest. The naked. Talk about vulnerable. We have so much abundance, don't we? Most people we know have far more than people in parts of the world, even in parts of this country. Give how you can and where you can and what you can. Give people dignity. The least of these are those who feel unwanted, abandoned. When I think of the most vulnerable, the the most vulnerable in our society today, my heart breaks. And I think God's does too. The sick. We're still going through COVID. There's a lot of sick people around us. Have you ever been so sick that you thought you would die? I've been on a gurney in the ER with extensive blood clots in both lungs when the doctor told me, don't move. This is potentially fatal. I thought I was about to die. I've been in a trauma center where I woke up with a traumatic brain injury after a fall. And when I came to, I thought I was about to die and asked, is this real? My life was in the Lord's hands, and I knew it. One thing that kept me going over the next five weeks when I was in the hospital was hearing Janet's footsteps coming down the hallway. I was sick, and you visited me. When is the last time you visited someone in the hospital? Someone who may have been close to dying. Did you bring comfort? Maybe you went there just to listen, to hold a hand, to just be there for them. Inasmuch as you did it, to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And the least of these are those who are suffering and afraid. Those in prison. When I was a radio news director in New York's Hudson Valley, I interviewed the warden at Greenhaven Correctional Facility, a maximum maximum security facility in Dutchess County, New York. I went there in 1979 I don't remember the interview, but I remember the sounds, the loud buzz as I moved from door to door, the metal doors slamming behind me, the sounds as I walked between rows of cells and the inmates inmates yelling at me, get me out of here. I didn't do it. And I walked right by. I was in prison, and you came to me. But I didn't. I was there to see someone else. 
And I'm still convicted by that. Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. The least of these are those who are helpless. So what have we learned about the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, those in prison? And who are the least of these? They are the hungriest, the most desperate, the loneliest, the abandoned, the vulnerable, the suffering, the hopeless. Maybe we can sum up the least of these this way. They are the ones without hope. They may be the ones without the Lord. So let's talk about hope. What does scripture say about hope? Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Hope is a noun. Some translations say, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. Or let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Hope comes from the Lord. Psalm 42, verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance And my God, hope is a verb. Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 71, 14, but I will hope continually. And will praise you yet more and more. Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. A living hope. Psalm 71, 5. For you are my hope O Lord God, you are my trust from my youth. 
1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The reason for the hope that is in you. And then Romans 5, verses 1 to 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, this is the hard part, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hope is a noun. Hope is a verb. Hope is alive. Hope doesn't disappoint. Hope is something we can rejoice in. You, Lord, are my hope. I hope in his word. Back when we read Matthew 25, it said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him. Then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set his sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Sheep and goats. I did some research. Goats tend to be more aggressive and inquisitive than sheep and tend to demonstrate dominance within a social grouping more so than sheep. They are often led, the goats are, by a dominant female or a dominant male. Goats are more independent. Sheep are more fluffy. Sheep are more comfortable with their flock. And they tend to run away if approached or when they're scared. Sheep like to graze on grass, while goats prefer to graze on anything they can. Sheep like the security of being with a flock with a shepherd leading them. He will separate the sheep from the goats. Those who help the hopeless and those who do not. The have-dones and the have-not-dones. Those who see the hurting and reach out those who see the hurting and turn the other way. This does not mean that good works lead to salvation. No, no. Good works are the effect 
of salvation. They are fruit. Bottom line, we're to love one another. And by doing that, we do it for Jesus. And we honor and worship God. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That reminds me of the old, I'm dating myself here, the old RCA Victor logo. So go ahead and put up the graphic. It shows a dog carefully listening to his master's voice. The dog's name is Nipper. And Nipper knows his master's voice when he hears it. That's the way it should be with the Lord and with the leading of the Holy Spirit. But we have to be quiet enough, still enough to listen. Sometimes we get in our own way. Here comes a brief video that shows that even Nipper at times can't hear his master's voice. It's called Nipper Runs Amok. Go ahead and roll it. Poor Nipper. So what keeps us from hearing our master's voice? We might be too busy. We might be too distracted by other sounds. There are so many sounds and bright lights and posts and tweets and arguments in our midst. There's so much noise. In our prayer lives, maybe we're the ones doing all the talking and not letting God get in a word edgewise. We need to listen. We need to focus on one voice. When I was a child, I got my first amateur radio license, WN2MDM. I learned Morse code and built my own little 15-watt powerhouse transmitter from a kit. Back then, I had a novice license, which meant that I could only talk back then in Morse code. This was back in the late 60s. I remember my first contact was with a guy named Bill in Massachusetts. I still have my first logbook of all of my conversations as an amateur radio operator. I had conversations with people in 36 states by the end of my first year. It was really cool. I loved it. 
The airwaves were full of other ham radio operators back then. You might have 20 conversations going on on the same frequency in Morse code, everybody sending at a different pitch, all at the same time. You know, it sounds like rush hour traffic where everybody's honking, but you're trying to pick out one horn. My ears had to latch on to whoever I was speaking with, tune into that pitch, and mentally tune out everything else. It was a challenge, but it was fun. And there's a spiritual lesson in that. Being able to block out the noise, hearing one voice, Sometimes hearing is easy, but listening is hard. And that's sometimes how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. My sheep hear my voice. We also have to stay focused on the Lord. We have a lot of farmland around here. Not as much as we used to, but still a lot. Ever wonder how those rows of corn end up so straight? I wondered too, so I looked it up. Today, some farmers use GPS to sow straight lines. But here's the method I like best. The most important row in a field is the first one. The farmer gets in his tractor and sets his eyes on a distant fixed object, like a a faraway tree or a water tower or a notch in a mountain. You line up that object with the front of your tractor and keep that target in the same spot so that it doesn't move as you plow along the field. Then when you have your first row plowed, you simply turn your tractor around Stay in the same wheel tracks and go on and on and on down the field, but it all comes down to the first row. It all starts by keeping your eyes fixed in one place. If we want to move in the right direction, keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. Amen? Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Some translations say, In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. And in Luke 9, Jesus talked about a plow too. Starting in verse 57, Now it happened as They journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Following Jesus means sometimes sacrificing your own comfort. Going on, verse 59 Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, 
Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. It sounds a little bit harsh, but Jesus wants to be our priority. We may feel that there's always something else that we have to do. Going on to verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You can't plow a field while looking back. You will end up plowing in circles. It just doesn't work. And in Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, that is, I still have more to learn about the fullness and the power of Christ, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Sometimes it's good to forget those things which are behind, especially if they prevent us from following God now. You can't drive a car with your eyes fixed on the rear view mirror. You can't move forward if you're looking backward, just like with a plow. We started tonight by talking about the least of these and how to help them. I'm a word guy, and I, I like to think about phrases that contrast. So the least of these makes me think of the greatest of these. And no, I don't mean Muhammad Ali. Luke 9, verse 46, reads, And then a dispute arose among them, among his disciples, as to which of them would be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you will be great. Humility, the heart of a child. Matthew 23, 11 says, He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Service to others. Another verse, and this one is one of my favorites. I used to tell the youth at our old church that this verse is the key to life, and it's so relevant to what we're talking about tonight. 
Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, whether you're feeding the hungry, caring for the desperate, remembering the forgotten, serving others. Do it for Jesus. Do it through Jesus. Serve in the name of Jesus. Love in his name. One more verse that talks about the greatest of these. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The best way to reach and serve and minister to the least of these is by offering them the greatest of these, love and hope, too, and faith, too. And you know, the very least of these are the lost. The ones who do not know Christ yet. They are the hopeless, the vulnerable, the hungriest, the thirstiest, the emptiest. We are called to be salt and light in this dark world. Light shows the way in the darkness. Light is hope. The Bible says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And we're also to be salt. Now, yeah, salt adds flavor. It's a preservative. But salt can melt ice. And you know what else? Salt makes people thirsty. If we are to be salt in this world... We should strive to melt cold hearts, something done through the Holy Spirit, and to make people thirsty for the word of God. Amen? One more story. Janet and I live at Rossmore, just up Forsgate Drive a bit. And it was back in November... I'm stepping out of our garage, and a neighbor came driving by, and Peggy said to me, I just saw a lost dog by the south gate. 
She said, I got out of my car, but it ran away. It looked like an old dog. It was light brown, had a, a pink collar. But it's a lost dog. And I was busy. I had somewhere I had to go. But I, I told Jan inside the house about this, hearing about this lost dog. And she called me up about 20 minutes later and it said, I just saw the dog. It's walking down old Nassau Road between the road and the golf course on, on the, the back roads. So I got in my car and I started driving. And I saw the dog. Yeah, it was an old dog with, with a grayish snout. It had a pink collar, but I didn't see any tags on it. There was no ID. So I parked and I got out of the car. And I started walking toward the dog, only to have the dog turn and, and walk away from me. The faster I walked, the faster the dog walked. And finally, I, I tried to sneak around a car very quickly so that I could gain on the dog. And I turned around the car and it was gone. I called security. I called the front gate. I said, there's, there's a lost dog out there wandering around between these roads. Yeah, we've gotten a bunch of phone calls about that. I, I'm going to call the animal control office. I learned later that dog was hit by a car on Applegarth Road and taken to North Star Vets in Robbinsville. But I also learned a few days later that it was recovering. And that's the last I heard of the dog. And I always wondered, could I have done more? Should I have done more? If I am that concerned about a lost dog, shouldn't I be so much more concerned about lost people? Shouldn't we all be? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the people that you have put in our lives. May we not only care for them, but may we care about them. Lord, help us to be light in this world. And help us to bring hope in the darkness. And Father, I just pray right now for anyone in this room or watching online who may not know you yet. Maybe this is the time. You care about each of us. And you know those who might feel right now that they are among the least of these. But they're not. Because they are your children and they are loved. And to those tonight, know that, know that the Lord wants to have a personal relationship with you. And it's easy to take that first step. 
If you're ready to begin your walk with the Lord tonight, just pray this prayer. It's not about what's in these words. It's it's about what's in your heart. Just pray, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've let you down, and I'm sorry. I believe that you died on the cross for me, for my sins. And I ask you now into my heart to be the leader, the leader of my life. I want to walk with you through this life and into eternity with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, the angels are rejoicing right now. And we'd like to send you some material to help you on your walk with the Lord. Just contact the church office and let us know that you've made this decision for Christ and we'll get you started on your way. Praise God. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.